Hello and welcome to another episode of the Simple Faith Podcast. My name is Dave Betts and together with my wife Sharia, we are exploring all the things that make our faith what it is. Uh, We're stripping away all of those unnecessarily churchy and intellectual words and exploring what it looks like to pursue authentic Christianity for normal people. We've been working through a series that we've called Tough Conversations and uh, in the last two episodes we've talked about Uh, suffering. Uh, Why would God allow suffering? And uh, this week, we're going to be talking about depression. And next week, we're going to talk about grief. So we're not straying away from some of those difficult conversations. Talking about uh, some challenges, Shreya was supposed to be uh, on today's episode with me as well. That was the plan that was that we would uh, record three of those in one day and our son JJ would be uh, looked after by his grandma. Um, Unfortunately, that proved to be a little bit challenging. That's the bad news. So Sharia couldn't join us because she's she's looking after our four-month-old. Uh, the good news is that now uh, our very good friend, Liz Argent, is with us. So Liz, thank you so much for joining us. We're so glad. We, you're actually uh, a really obvious choice to talk about this. So maybe uh, you could tell us a bit about yourself and um, yeah. what you do. Yeah, so um, I'm Liz, as you said. Uh, I'm married to Simon, who's obviously been on the podcast twice I think um mm-hmm. already uh and uh I studied at Royal Holloway I did a degree in psychology and then I moved on to work for a local charity called East to West and uh, as a charity we work across um the area where I live working with young people in lots of different situations um in schools and I also run a project in the local hospital where we work with young people in mental health crisis as they're kind of coming in in that crisis we meet them um and then we also follow up with them in the community helping them work um through how to move forward working through uh different things that are going on in their life and trying to give them strategies for coping um, and helping them engage in other services as well so yeah a very very varied role it's a it's a great role Liz um not only works a lot with uh, young people uh in her job but you are heavily involved with um pastoring and mentoring students as well at at church at Ascot Life Church where you uh where you go to church you're also a very gifted worship leader so we're going to have you on this podcast talking about worship at some point and also you're my songwriting buddy we write songs together for the church and (laughs) stuff like that so um Liz maybe I can share a quick story about you because Simon and Liz are very very good (laughs) friends of ours and so it's good to have them on the the podcast um we actually uh went to Ikea with them one day we had a bit of we had nothing else better to do so we spent a A a day just walking around Ikea (laughs) yeah we're in the checkout line and um and Liz looks up at some some water and she's like, mm, I'm really thirsty. I really need something to clench my thirst. And we were like, Liz, what did you just say? Yeah, I need to clench my thirst. Like, no, Liz, I'm pretty sure it's quench. But, you know, <laughs> and she was like, really? Really? I had no idea. So, Liz, how do you explain that? I mean, some people might be listening and thinking that's not really that funny. Uh, or maybe that's just discredited you as a, a prominent voice on yeah, any kind of topic. Yeah, I can no longer, but... no longer have authority, yeah. <laughs> um, there's not much for explanation, to be honest. I just always thought it was Clint, um, which is kind of hilarious. And yeah, so that day changed my life. So you've changed my <laughs> yeah, life. <laughs> Ikea. Ikea often has the ability to change your life in some way. Uh, usually it's the meatballs or the cheap desks, yeah. but for you it's the... It's the, it's the work, it's the, the words, yeah, the yeah. water in the words. Great. Well, today uh, we are talking about depression and, you know, it's yeah. great to kind of laugh and joke around a little bit before we get going. But the reality is that depression is a big deal. There's, there's so 
such a prevalence of depression in our world at the moment in a yeah. way that wasn't the case when I was a kid. Um, people, that's not to say that people weren't depressed, but it, there is a prevalence. We've talked in previous shows about the reality of technology and smartphones and all those things and the impact it has on uh, mental health. But um, what we want to do today is really drill down into depression, particularly yeah. uh, how do we respond to depression as Christians? Because there's this implicit feeling that I think people have sometimes that, well, if I'm, if I'm depressed, I'm doing something wrong as a Christian because I'm supposed to have supposed to have joy. I'm supposed to be joyful always. Jesus is saving, so I'm supposed to just be happy all the time. And um, you know, people, like the the charismatic church is often called happy clappy <laughs> happy Christians. Clappy, well, yeah. what if you're just clappy? That's a problem, isn't it? <laughs> so, <laughs> I think that's, that's the challenge. So, what I want us to do, to, what I want us to do today, Elise, is maybe talk about the realities of of depression. What is it, and maybe uh, where we can find it in the Bible. And then I want us to talk about the causes. I think maybe you have some insight into that and uh, there's some helpful books that, that I found maybe that can give us some insight into that. Yeah. And then the two really big questions are, how do we respond as Christians when we, when we are depressed? And also, how do we respond to the people around us when they are depressed? How do we make sure that yeah. we get those things right? So maybe that's a bit of a roadmap for where we're going to go today. Um, maybe let's start with some definitions. So like at its core, what is depression and how is depression different maybe to sadness? Mm. Yeah, I think that's a good question. And I think uh, it's sometimes quite, well, I find it quite difficult sometimes to kind of define depression. Um, I think uh, <clears throat> from my experience of uh, those I've worked with, I think one of the main things uh, that kind of comes out is this uh, this interruption to your everyday being and life and not mm. being able to um, carry on with just the things that a lot of us would just see as normal. So kind of making yourself have a meal to eat or uh, making sure you have a shower or kind of getting up in the morning. It's this sense of a disruption to your routine, uh, maybe a loss of interest in things that actually before you would really enjoy. Um, and I think and I think that's where it can it can happen to anyone, can't it? You know, we, we think mm. oh, I'll never be that person to you know, just be in bed, as some people might say, but actually it's this, it's deeper than that. It's so much deeper than sadness. It's this sense of not being able to function in life, I think. Yeah, that's really good. I I have a bit of a confession to make, I think, when it comes to depression. I'm pretty sure when I was 14, 15, 16, again, I've mentioned this on the podcast, but I was really struggling myself with, mm. with depression. And uh, thankfully in my situation, I just had this moment where it was like a switch went off mm. and I was fine. Um, and so I used to have this, this cold view of depression, which was like, well, I was fine. So you should just be fine too. Yeah. And it wasn't until I was a bit older and started to see it a bit more where you realize it's a bit more complicated. Yeah. For some people, uh, it just, it's like a switch that just turns off and you're, you're fine. But actually for, for some people it's, uh, it's a, it's a challenge. I think, I think it's John Piper who wrote, I've got it written down further in my notes. He wrote a book called when the darkness will not Mm. lift. And that's a really great way of putting it. I think, actually, yeah, like that's what it what it feels like. Sometimes that darkness just doesn't lift, and yeah. you know, maybe, maybe you just might, might be like, "Ta, I'm fine now." And yeah. in other situations, it might feel like you just can't shake this feeling of deep, deep sadness, right? Yeah, and I think you know, when it with that, it also comes down to what is going on in your life. Like, um, mm. I think we'll come on to it, but kind of the causes of depression and what that might look like that's different for everyone as well. So 
that will also change whether you, you know, it's a click off or a, actually something that takes a lot longer to work through. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I think maybe, you know, that's a little bit, like, that's what depression is. It's more than just sadness. It's like this yeah. deep, in, the, I like the way you said it, it was like an, it's this interruption. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's when you can hardly, you know, you, sometimes you find it hard to even function. Uh, I wonder, let me, do I have anything in my notes here? Um, it, there's a list here. It says, you know, th- here are some depression symptoms that uh, I think you mostly talked about, but it's like feeling sad or having a depressed mood, which I mean, that one seems like an obvious one. If you're depressed, <laughs> of course you have a depressed mood, uh, loss of interest or pleasure in activities once enjoyed changes in appetite, uh, weight loss or gain unrelated to dieting, trouble sleeping or sleeping too much. I think you mentioned that uh, mm. loss of energy or increased fatigue, increased in, in purposeless physical activity. So the inability to sit still pacing, hand wringing or slow movements or speech or uh, these actions it says here must be observable by others. And so, you know, it's happening enough that people can see it feeling worthless or guilty, difficult thinking, concentrating or making decisions or thoughts of death or suicide. So this is from the American Psychiatric Association. Yeah. So that, that, if you're feeling any of those things, um, know that we are so for you and we're with you. We're, we're not, uh, what we want to talk about today is, is how do we respond to that? We're not, we're not here to tell you whether you are depressed or not, but what we want to, we want to do is maybe if you're feeling that and you're listening, help you diagnose it, but primarily talk about how we respond. Um, so I think something that I'm really keen that we talk about, Liz, is the fact that depression is not incompatible with faith. You know, see, yeah. we see depression all throughout the Bible, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, you know, just to name a few, we see it in um, Job, who's, uh, you know, it's this, it's this sense of um, lamenting, I think, and in Lamentations mm. and Ecclesiastes and um, just to name a few. And just like certain people throughout the Bible, there's there's some things that they say that you think, oh, I could, I could relate to that. Like when I'm feeling that way, um, this sense of carrying big burdens or things happening where you come to the end of yourself. And um, like with Job, he lost everything, didn't he? Um, yeah. And I'm not saying you have to lose everything to be depressed, but in his situation, um, I can imagine that he felt pretty depressed um, because you would. It's it's, yeah. it's a normal thing. And I think the Bible really actually normalises um these feelings of deep sadness and loss. Yeah, you you mentioned the word lament, and I, I think that's a really key word. I think we'll come back to that in a little bit because mm. there's a, a a book I found really helpful that I want to share a, a little bit later. But uh, yeah, I mean, just a few more examples. Like there's um, someone called Hannah in the Bible who is depressed because she's not able to have kids and she yeah. wants to have a baby desperately, and she's just desperately sad that she can't. Um, Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet because he's just so filled with with sadness and yeah there's an entire book called lamentations yeah um yeah i think it, i always get mixed up with lamentations and ecclesiastes but i think it's ecclesiastes that says meaningless meaningless everything is meaningless yeah um then you've got the book of uh of psalms which is all just like filled yeah. Some, uh, someone that said uh i think they said that 70 percent of the psalms were psalms of lament which is mm. psalms of sadness essentially now i I can't tell you whether that's true or not. I just read it. And sometimes you read stuff online and you're like, I don't know if that's true. But that, I mean, even for someone to even say that indicates that these Psalms are hugely prevalent in, uh, in the book of Psalms as a whole. Um, yeah. In uh, a book called Christians Get Depressed Too by David Murray, he says that um, 
Maybe even Timothy suffered from near paralyzing anxiety as well. Um, yeah, in Numbers, Moses says, I can't carry these people by myself. They are too much for me, uh, which indicates that potentially he's experiencing feelings of depression, you know, with, with the weight of leadership that comes as well. Yeah. So and there's a there's a bunch of examples of um, of depression. And yet there are passages in the Bible that says, let's say do not be anxious about anything but with yeah. prayer and petition and thanksgiving <laughs> make your requests known to god and in yeah. peter it says about don't be anxious and jesus says don't be anxious about anything and so yeah. there's this this tension there that i guess we'll talk about in a little bit as well um mm. why don't we pivot so what we're saying is depression is this deep sadness and we're saying hang on as christians it's okay to feel depressed it's in the bible like lots of people feel that way in the bible so maybe let's talk about some causes because like, there's some really interesting conversations I think that we can have have there. Um, do yeah. You, do you want to? What do you? What would you say about that? What causes depression? Do you think, Eliz? Yeah, I think there's a wide range of things. Um, I think there's probably kind of two camps, maybe. I don't know. I don't know if that's right, but there's a sense of a biological. Um, dysfunction, you might say. So uh, you, there's an imbalance of. Um, serotonin um or another like hormone in your body that then means that you then you you don't have like the happy the happy drug <laughs> mm. that's very scientific yeah. isn't it but a sense of a bio- <laughs> something in your biology that um and in your brain and in your functioning that means you have uh yeah you you do not you have a loss of um what what makes us happy um in our bodies so i think it can be a biological thing that was really badly put <laughs> <laughs> that's okay um, uh, so that's the one thing it's yeah. a biological function yeah and i think it also can be kind of circumstantial or um, environmental i think uh when i sit down with a lot of the people i work with actually there's a there's a sense of okay let's look at what is going on in your life like let's mm let's sit down and let's think about what's going on because sometimes you just don't put two and two together. Um, like, oh, okay, your parents are going through a divorce and your dad's been quite abusive. Okay. Could this contribute to how you're feeling? Actually? Yes. Like that is an awful situation and it is no wonder you are feeling low and you're feeling, um, low self-esteem and you're feeling suicidal and like you can't function because your the stability of your world is kind of falling apart and I think uh yeah so I think it can be both I think for some people it's this sense of there's a situation or something that's occurred in your life or um there's a you know even job loss like you've you've lost your sense of purpose I think that's going to be a huge thing for people this year um of you know you've lost your routine in life Mm. and actually that can cause this depression that can come on you because you you've lost your sense of purpose um and yeah so i think it can be both i think it can be something biological or i think it can be something kind of more circumstantial yeah that's really good i i wholeheartedly agree based on yeah i've been studying for this as well i'm certainly not an expert by any means but um i read this really helpful book called lost connections mm. by a guy called johan hari and again if you're listening i would recommend you read that book yeah. know that the language is a little bit uh spicy in places but um it's a, it's a it's such a helpful book um i want to read some of the things that he said cuz I, I i this completely changed my view of depression um he says you know yeah there is sometimes a biological component to depression uh but he also found that there's this what he describes as a troubling 
over-dependence on antidepressants and things yeah. like that. So what it's essentially, what he's saying is, well, our, often our first reaction is to go, oh, you're feeling depressed? Well, here are some, some antidepressants. Not to say that antidepressants are wrong, but uh, he says this, it's foolish to deny that there is a real biological component to depression and anxiety. And there may be other biological contributions that we haven't identified yet, but it is equally foolish to say that they are the only causes. So like that's kind of uh, fully backing up, fully supporting what you've said, Eliz. And he, yeah. he finds that there are nine primary causes of depression and non-biological co- uh, causes of depression. And he puts it down to connection, which I think is really mm. fascinating. So he believes that the, the principal cause of depression is, is, a, uh, is lack of connection. And so yeah. um, here, are, here are some um, that he, his book is called Lost Connection. So you can see where he's going there. Um, <laughs> These are the nine that he suggests. He says disconnection from meaningful work, disconnection from other people, disconnection from meaningful values, disconnection because of childhood trauma, disconnection from status and respect, disconnection from the natural world, disconnection from a hopeful or secure future. And then he kind of pairs eight and nine together, which is um, the real role of genes and brain damages, uh, brain changes. So I guess those are the, that's the biological component he's talking about there. So so think about that. Uh, Liz, I really want to kind of, um, dig down on what you just said. You talked about this the season that we're in, right? Mm. Well, so many people have lost their jobs, so they're disconnected yeah. from meaningful work. And yeah. some people, you might have a job, but you might feel like you're working a dead end job or that there's no purpose in what you're doing. Particularly, like Generation Z, more than any other generation, feel this uh, real desire to feel like there's meaning behind what they do. Yeah. I mean, a hundred years ago, 150 years ago, you went. Your job could be totally meaningless to you, but it was it, it was there was a different um, a kind of acceptance of that. Yeah. Uh, disconnection from other people. We're in COVID. We've had lockdowns galore, so there's been a disconnection from other people. Yeah. From meaningful va- meaningful values. You know, as our world moves towards this place where it's striving for autonomy and value, it's all about doing what's right in your own eyes. Uh, there is there's fewer values and there's challenges there. There's disconnection because of childhood traumas. You talked about you know maybe divorce in, in your parents divorcing or you know other other traumas as a child. Uh, disconnection from the natural world. So uh, that's as simple as not going outside yeah. can can <laughs> that can have an effect on yeah, you. Um, story on that quickly. When I went to Bible school in British Columbia, it's right in the mountains, and a lot of the Bible school students who came would come from the prairies where I'm actually living now. And the thing about the prairies is it's very flat. Um, it's not the most beautiful place in the world, but it's very sunny all year round. Even when it's freezing cold, it's very sunny. And what people would find is that they would come out to British Columbia, which is a bit like the UK, where it's a bit more rainy mm-hmm. and grey, and they would really struggle. They'd get yeah. really depressed. And so it, it was that seasonal affective disorder or whatever it's yeah. called. Where yeah. they, so they'd have to take vitamin D yeah. Uh, or vitamin D, depending where you're listening. And uh, <laughs> they'd have to take it to to stop themselves feeling that set, feeling depressed. Yeah. And and then disconnection from a hopeful or secure future. You know, if you if you've had maybe if you go bankrupt or if you've had uh maybe you failed your degree or yeah. um maybe you've fallen like dropped out of school or you don't know what you want to do with your life, those things can draw you into depression, right? So there's a lot of causes. Eliz, I wonder if you would agree with those would you disagree with any of those what are your thoughts on that list would you what do you think oh yeah i think that list is spot on really i think um mm. all of those things i can kind of think of situations where 
Um, I've seen it happen and um, I've seen the consequence of disconnection from these things. I think um, we as a people are made to have connection, aren't we? We're made to be in community. We're made to um, we're even made to work. You know, we're made to have purpose in that. And I think uh, so when we lose that stuff or when we've had some, you know, we say childhood trauma, when we've had something like that happen to us also, it um yeah, some of the, you know, things like childhood trauma that can actually have an effect on your brain that changes mm. um, your wiring and how you're thinking and, um, yeah, and how it's functioning. And that can, so you can always put that that with a biological cause as well. Um, yeah. And, but yeah, like, I think, yeah, I completely agree. I think stuff like the natural world sounds so simple, doesn't it? But I think um, there's studies that actually say that going for a run or doing exercise is actually more effective than antidepressants, um, which I think is outstanding Um, and amazing that God's made us that way because it releases um, those kind of hormones to our body that are so good for us. Um, And like you said, that's not to say that antidepressants aren't good. Um, I think there is, as you said, well, as this guy says, a heavy reliance on them, um, which is uh, become quite unhealthy in our society, I think. Um, But at the same time, I see how um, actually some people need antidepressants to stabilise themselves. So even if if their depression is caused by something that's going on in their world, actually uh, being able to take a drug that helps boost um, the functioning in their brain uh, can allow them to get to a place where they're stable to then deal with that other stuff, if that makes sense. but yeah, I do, you know, I do think sometimes they're handed out very quickly when actually you need to take a, ho- a look at the holistic person. I'm very much about, right, let's look at what's going on, you know, mm. let's let's deal with the root of the problem. So, mm. yeah, great. So, I mean, we could talk about that for, for ages. I, yeah. think. <laughs> I, what, I think it's probably good if we direct ourselves to the big questions, which is, yeah, we've talked a little bit about what depression is and what causes it. Most importantly, for for the purposes of today how do we respond? How do we mm. respond if we're feeling depressed? Uh, if, if you're listening on t- to this podcast, your question is probably, well, what do I do with that? Especially as a Christian, it's very easy to read stuff uh, f- from a non-Christian perspective. But yeah, what if I'm a believer yeah. and I'm, I'm feeling that? First of all, let's talk about what we shouldn't do. Um, <laughs> I th- Liz, first of all, what we shouldn't do is isolate ourselves right yeah <laughs> that's, yeah that's, that's the opposite sh- don't isolate yeah, yeah. don't isolate <laughs> like yourselves disconnecting and I, thing, yourself even more exactly i think the other thing as well that i feel really passionate about is don't run away from god <laughs> I, I think yeah. that yeah. our tendency so is so much that I, I there's this irony where we think you know we need god like we don't mind god being around us when we don't need him but when we need him we run yeah. away from him and uh, i would yeah. say if you're feeling depressed you, that's the time to turn to God more than ever. You know, yeah. God wants to 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 be with you and walk with you through this. So th- those would be my thoughts. I mean, what would you what would you say to that? Oh yeah, I completely agree. And I think what we need to remember is that there's nothing too big for God that He can't handle. Um, mm. There's nothing that we can come before Him with, and He's gonna you know say, oh no, not not sure about that, or He's not gonna stand there and say, oh, but I've given you this, 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 like. Why can't you be happy with your life? Um, He's not that kind of person. And so we can come before him and be so honest. And I think that goes back to what we see in the Bible as well of, um, you know, in the Psalms, 
the the way that David laments and is like, God, where are you? I mean, even Jesus on the cross, he's like, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? Um, mm. And that sense of being able to come before God and be really honest and raw and say, this is how it is right now. Because to be honest, he already knows. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's so absolutely. healthy to be able to say that out loud and say, yeah, what it's really like. So I think coming before God and being really honest is is really key. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay, I, I, there's, so there's this book that I read that I found really helpful um, called, I mean, I'm always just pointing to books because I find that you love other book. people say it much better than we can. Yeah. Uh, between me and your husband, we get through a lot of books. Yes. We, just, uh, <laughs> we just love it. So there's this lady called Vanitha Risner. Uh, she was bullied as a child. She suffered multiple miscarriages, buried her own son, deals with a debilitating disease and was left by her first husband. And she's someone, you know, she talks about sort of the, the sadness that she felt. She has this book that she calls The Scars That Have Shaped Me. And uh, she talks mm. about how she learned the beauty of lamenting. So uh, a lament in the dictionary is described as this like passionate expression of grief and sorrow, which obviously connects really well with what we're talking about. And yeah. like we said, we see it all the way through the Bible. We see it in Ruth as well. And in the Psalms, which uh, you mentioned there, it is. And uh, I think... <laughs> Here's, I, I want to share some of the quotes that she says because I think they're quite mm, powerful actually Definitely, she says uh, lament can be messy and yet I want my life to look neat and I foolishly think that my bleached prayers somehow make God look better later on she says I don't like to lament it seems unspiritual faithful Christians are even tempered and cheerful they rejoice in the Lord at all times without even a hint of discouragement and then later on she says but then I realized that scripture never mandates that we constantly act upbeat. God wants us to come to him in truth. People like Jeremiah and Job, Habakkuk and David have all poured out their honest feelings of sadness and disappointment to God. Yeah. And then finally, one more quote I want to share from her. She says, the Bible is shockingly honest. And because of that, I could be honest as well. I can both complain and cry knowing that God can handle anything I say. The Lord wants me to talk to him, to pour out my heart and my thoughts unedited because he knows them already. And Liz, you talked about being honest and that's mm. exactly what uh, Vanitha is saying here. You know, yeah. The first thing we can do is, is be honest. Um, I, I, I think somewhere down here, there's a psalm. Yeah, I've, I've got a, a psalm down here where um, it's Psalm 130. Uh, I think it's David. It doesn't say. It says it's a song of ascent, and it says, "Out of the depths, I call to you, Lord. Lord, listen to my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for help. Uh, Lord, if you kept an account of iniquities, who could stand?" Uh, and then it, it goes on. It goes on. But you know, that's kind of that sense. It's like, uh, like you said, God, God, why have you forsaken me? Yeah. Um, it's okay to be honest. Uh, so that's the first thing I think we would would say. So let's that would say yeah it's okay yeah. to be honest make sure that you're honest in fact yeah. i would implore you to be honest yeah secondly i would say it's okay to ask for help yeah um we're really bad at that in this kind of individualistic <laughs> culture yeah we want to we want to feel like we have everything together right and yeah I, I think it's it's okay to ask for help yeah it's that sense of being honest with god but also being honest with your friends and your family and those around you isn't it and being yeah. vulnerable actually i think we don't like to be vulnerable in, in society because we say we're vulnerable. And then when it comes down to it, are we really vulnerable when the the tough stuff comes up and are we willing to talk about it? And but actually being vulnerable yeah. and saying, actually, I'm struggling right now. Um, it's not a sign of weakness, but actually I think it's a sign of strength 
in being able to mm. admit that life is not the easiest that it's ever been right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and in terms of asking for help, I mean, obviously you can talk to your friends, uh, talk to your friends about this. You can talk to your mentors or your pastor, but sometimes you might find that, uh, it, your, your struggles, your challenges are too great for yeah. some of these people to talk to about, talk about, because let's be honest, your friends and your mentors are unqualified and your pastor, you know, I'm someone that, uh, that serves as a pastor and, you know, we aren't clinical psychiatrists yeah. or psychologists. <laughs> I, I never know the difference between them, but we are, we aren't that. What we are are people yeah. who study the word of God. And so there might be uh, some like mental health challenges that you're facing that, that pastors won't be able to face, yeah. uh, help you with. And that's okay. Like, I, I think we have to be okay with saying, we, we, what we can do is point you to Jesus. And yeah. that, that's a really, really good thing. Uh, but sometimes there are uh, challenges that go beyond into, into, into the realms of medical care. So Liz, yeah. if, I mean, what do we do at, at that point? If, if we feel like you know, we're struggling so much and we've, mm. we, we've spoken maybe to our friends and our mentors, our pastors and all that stuff, and, and we feel like actually this darkness still won't lift, to I use those words of John Piper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's where we have to be so open to getting the professional help. And actually, mm. you know, God created um, our, you know, psychologists to be able to kind of help us with how we're, how our brains and how we're functioning and counsellors to be able to come alongside us and just counsel us. Um, mm. And, you know, your GPs that you can go to um, if they can refer you on to other stuff. I know in, um, in the UK, that's kind of where you go. You go to a GP or you go and find a private counsellor. Um, and there's so much help available out there. I would I would say um, chat to people because I think a lot more people than you realise will know counsellors or places where they've even got help. Um, we as, um, so in my role, I see a counsellor to, um, to take all my, kind of my load to because actually, holding um a lot of people um, and working with people who are feeling down and feeling suicidal and have attempted to take their lives actually that puts a huge um can put a huge sadness on me and you you don't you know you learn not to carry their burdens but hearing that all the time is is you know it's it's one of those things and so um we mm. so i see a counselor and we as an organization make sure all of our team actually see a counselor um and i think it's just so healthy like i would recommend anyone <laughs> to see a counselor really just to have a space to talk um and uh you know whether that's for a season whether that's to work through a certain thing or whether that's actually you're feeling a bit burnt out and you're like actually i should probably go and find someone outside of my sphere of um like family or work or friends just to talk to in a confidential way who can also give you strategies for coping and strategies to help you understand. Um, I think these things are so much easier to work through. Well, no, no, easier to work through, but you like it can help when you have an understanding of what's going on. Um, and I think mm. those professional places can help give you that understanding, which like a pastor or a friend maybe couldn't do. Yeah, that's great. I think that's, that's really helpful to hear. There is sometimes this stigma around counsellors mm. still. Uh, less so than ever before. Yeah, I would say. which is great. But you, yeah, yeah, you often think of just lying kind of on a horizontal bed. Yeah, with a, it's not like that. <laughs> a, an old man with a clipboard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a it's a really good thing. You know, I, in my life, I've I've seen a counselor. I, you've obviously, uh, Elizabeth, you said you've yeah. seen a counselor, and and it, it helps. It helps you to process yeah. um, and to to get a different perspective or 
sometimes just to speak. The counselors are funny because sometimes they just don't say anything and you yeah. end up kind of, they just help you talk your way through stuff. And yeah. it's, uh, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a good thing. So yeah, be honest, uh, uh, be honest about where you're at with people. Don't, you don't have to put on a, this facade and yeah, it's uh, recognize that it's okay to ask for help. Uh, yeah. One of the things I would say as well uh, that I really want to emphasize is that we do want to record, we do want to emphasize that our hope is not in this world. Our hope is in Jesus. Now, if you're a believer, as sometimes that's really annoying to hear. You're like, well, I just feel I feel like my my world is crumbling, and I don't want to I don't want to worship Jesus. But the the truth is, there is this reality in there that yeah. that Jesus is the hope of the world. Um, yeah. Uh, in a book called Spurgeon's Sorrows by Zach S. Wine. By the way, uh, Charles Spurgeon is one of the greatest preachers ever. And he suffered terribly with depression. Yeah. But in this book that Zach S. Wine writes about this, uh, actually recommended to me by Eliza's husband, Simon, mm, uh, it says this, our hope therefore does not reside in our ability to preserve a good mood, but in his ability to bear us up. I'll say that again. Yeah. Our hope therefore does not reside in our ability to preserve a good mood, but in his ability to bear us up. You know, I, I think sometimes things might feel hopeless, but the reason uh, the Bible says to us things like, do not be anxious about anything, but with prayer and petition and thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. That's in Philippians 4, 6, I think. And the reason in Peter, it says, don't be anxious about anything and, or cast your anxieties on the Lord, I think it says. And then uh, why Jesus says that. The reason they say that is because our hope is not in this world. Yeah. Our hope is in the world to come, the eternity to come. So mm-hmm. that we, I think we have this idea that life is supposed to be happy all the time. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I think the beauty of life is that sometimes you're not happy. And it's often yeah. in those tri- trials and those challenges that God shapes us and molds us into who he's calling us to be. Um, yeah. I think it's first Peter. I, I think it's first Peter one. I forget, but it, um, we might've talked about this in another podcast episode. I, if not, probably, I think I, we've, we've heads up, we pre-recorded uh, some podcasts coming up and I think this is one of them, but we talk about Peter talks about how uh, we're refined by fire. And mm. he talks about, uh, he uses the analogy essentially of, like when they refined gold in this really, really hot fire, it was super dangerous in, the, in those days. And they'd, uh, maybe I talked about this in the suffering episode. I forget. I've talked about this recently anyway. And they refine it, refine it, refine it. And all the dross comes to the top. And what you do then with that gold, gold is that you scrape off all the dross, all the, the impurities. And during that process, that hot, dangerous process, you, what, you, what happens is that the gold becomes more pure. And yeah. so uh, it's, it's in the same way, there are challenges in the life in this life. The Bible never promises that life's going to be easy, but yeah. what we see is that uh, God uses those challenges for our, our good. And sometimes in ways that are hard for us to comprehend, sometimes in ways that we don't understand. That's why we just spent two episodes talking about the reality and the challenge of suffering is because sometimes yeah. it's just difficult to get our heads around this. Um, Liz, I wonder if you'd add anything there. Yeah. And I think uh, when you were talking about that, what came to mind was a similar thing in terms of sometimes when we're in that that time of suffering or that time of um, just being so overwhelmed and we uh, just don't want to carry on or we're at a place where we think, why God, like, why is this happening? Actually, 
that is when we go to the deepest, most intimate place in finding that hope. Um, and I think of a time just like last month where, uh, something happened and we were, you know, I was just, I don't know if I've been that sad in a long time. And just this sense of sadness and this sense of just crying. You feel like you cry, you know, you're crying for a reason, but you're crying because, you know, and you, you can't stop crying. Um, but just in that place, just finding God like deep in there and being able to just know that whatever happens, like we have such a certainty um, and such a hope mm. and such a foundation that, you know, the world will shake and the world will crumble around us, but actually we can have that hope. And I think we have to, I think we have to fight for that. You know, we have to fight for joy. Mm. Sometimes we have to fight for, um, to cling on to that hope. And that doesn't mean that suddenly in, in our depression, like we suddenly feel joyful and we suddenly, you know, fight for your joy and you'll be joyful. Actually, no, like you, you fight for joy and um, it's, it's that sense of a difference between happy and joy um, and that sense of like as you as you fight to believe that hope and as you fight to cling on to God as the one who is going to, you know, give you that hope and the only one who can ever fulfill you. Like, you know, we talk about these connections. They're all great things that obviously contribute to our well-being, but also none of those things will ever fulfill us like God does. And so as we, you know, as we fight for our joy in God, we we find a deeper joy that goes beyond our circumstance, goes beyond how we're feeling, goes beyond any depression that can kind of come upon us. And we find a joy that we just have, you know, it's like, you can't even describe it. It's like this, you know, it doesn't mean you're happy all the time, but you just have a certainty in your heart that, you know, one day everything will be restored and we will be with Jesus and, um, you know, a new heavens and a new earth and there will be no more tears and no more sorrow and no more depression. And you just have this certainty mm. that that will be there as you cling to that hope. But I do think it's something that you have to fight for sometimes. Yeah. Amen. Very <laughs> well put. Um, I guess one last question before we finish up here, Liz, is so that's how we respond. So if you're feeling depressed, um, remember that uh, it's, it's good to be honest. It's yeah. good to ask for help. And it's really, really, really good to put your hope in Jesus. Even if you don't see it, like you said, Eliz, there's a difference between happy and joyful. You yeah. can have hope in Jesus and still recognize, actually, I'm, I'm going through a storm right mm -hmm. now. But, but I know that that storm will pass. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, so that, those, that's what, if you have depression, that's how we can respond. And obviously, it's tricky and it's different for everyone. Everyone has their own unique experiences. But what can we do? as believers, to serve those around us who are feeling depressed. Do you have any advice there, Liz? Yeah, I think um, it's kind of similar to what we would say to um, what we said before in terms of keep connected with those people. Um, I think when you're feeling depressed and when you're feeling out of um, kind of out of sorts, you you want to lose those connections or you don't know how to keep them. And so I think it's having real grace and having um, a sense of love that, uh, you know, you're able to look to their needs and keep those connections. Um, and, you know, praying for wisdom in how you can serve that person well. Pray for that person, I think. You know, you yeah. want to you wanna stand with them. It says, you know, we mourn with those who mourn, don't we? And we, um, yeah. I think it's the same, you know, like it's, uh, there's a difference between um, sympathy and empathy. And there's this really good video that Brené Brown does. And it talks about how sympathy is like, 
you you kind of might pass something, pop your head down the ladder and be like, oh, it's going to be okay. Like, you know, take this and you'll be fine. Um, and, as, and empathy is like you get down to that person's level and you sit and you listen. And um, I think one of the greatest gifts that we almost like resources that we have is just listen. Um, don't try to fix. I think that's something that I've really learned in my role is just sit and listen and affirm. Um, so mm. say, you know, I can see that's really hard right now and I can see that you're really struggling um, because then the the person who you're speaking to feels listened to and they feel accepted with where they are, which then allows them to start lifting out of that rather than feeling like they have to battle to be heard and the fact they're not really being heard. So a sense of, you know, a deep listening, a sense of, okay, I'm going to just sit with you where you are and listen to you. And then I think there's a sense of, okay, action plan, like what can we do to help? Sometimes that's very practical. Sometimes that's, okay, I'm going to make sure you've got up in the morning and you've had a shower. I'm going to make sure you've eaten your meals. Um, and sometimes that's, you know, I think it's sometimes that's just checking in, sending a text, um, praying with them. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, you want to, you want to sit and listen and then you want to, you want to do what you can to help. Mm, yeah. Again, really good, Liz. I, I think the response is quite similar to how you deal with, uh, how you deal with, that's bad choice of words, <laughs> how you respond to people who are, uh, going through grief. Yeah. I think uh, not just like as Christians, one of the things we have this horrible uh, tendency to do in the church world is to say, oh, get over it. You've got Jesus. Yeah. You, know, or, you don't need to be depressed. You've got Jesus. Yeah. And like there's an element of truth to that where, yes, we have hope in Jesus. We just talked about that. But there's also this reality that that's not helpful to say that yeah. because that certainly doesn't feel true in the moment. Like it's, it's how you say it. That's the, that's the problem. And when you say it, yeah. it's it, like you say, uh, in Job, the, the three friends get it right for the longest time where they just sit and listen and they're attentive. Yeah. And, um, and, and, to, and not to say things like, I know exactly what you're going through. Yeah. You don't. <laughs> you don't, even no. if you've been through depression, yeah. like for my experience of depression is different to your experience of depression. Yeah. If you're listening at home and you're feeling that, um, what I can say is I don't know exactly what you're going through, but I've experienced something like this. You know, I, I don't understand, I don't understand exactly what your experience is, uh, but I've, I, I've probably experienced a, li a little taste of it, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. it, at least as a connecting point, as opposed yeah. to a, Oh yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Uh, you just need to do this, which is advice that you see. Uh, that kind of stuff happens all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that sense of wanting to <laughs> fix. And I think sometimes all you want someone to do is sit down and tell you it's pants and like acknowledge that yeah. it's pants because you already think it's pants and you just need someone to come and tell you that to affirm how you're yeah. feeling. Um, and it, you, you can feel so helpless, I think, especially if, you know, if you haven't been in that place yourself, you think, oh, like, I don't know how to deal with this. But actually just sit and listen, like, you know, yeah. just sit and affirm how they're feeling. Now, I want to be clear as well that often that comes from a good place. Like it, people want to help. When oh, they say completely. Those things. <laughs> we want to. It's fix. not that. Yeah, yeah. And that's you're so right. I mean, that's uh, that's certainly how I'm wired as yeah. a human being. I want to. I want to fix people. I want to fix stuff, and, uh, and I find it hard you, you when know? I can't. Yeah, you want to help? Yeah. So it's it's from a good place. I think. Yeah. I mean, things. Another thing that I read. There's this book that we're going to talk about next week in the grief episode um, by a lady called Nancy Guthrie. And I think it's, I, I, I forget the title now. It's like, 
things you should never say to someone who's grieving and what mm. what helps when it hurts or something like that. It's like the longest title ever. Oh, we'll talk yeah. about it next week. But in this book, what she says is um, what she found wasn't helpful in her experience was when people said, can I do anything to help? Mm. Um, as, as well-intentioned as that was, what she found much more helpful, and this is just a suggestion, this is not uh, a hard and fast rule. She found that what was really helpful was when people said, hey, I'd love to bring you dinner tonight. Can I bring you dinner tonight? Or can I do your grocery shopping? And or just do the grocery shopping. Like those, the the specifics were really helpful because people who are in grief and people who are depressed often don't have the the ability to be able to say, yeah, you know what? What I actually need right now is X, Y, yeah. and Z. But what means the world is for you to say, hey, I'm going to do something that's just going to bless you. I mean, uh, maybe uh, maybe your next door neighbor, maybe you're you're a bit older, and your your next door neighbor is. Um, just needs their lawn cut, needs to go and cut their grass. You just go and do it for them. Yeah. Or yeah. I don't know why that's the first ex- example that came to my mind, but <laughs> I've never, like I've lawns. mown a lawn like twice in my life. I don't know why I'm talking about that, but, but you know, those kinds of examples where yeah. uh, you can find ways to bless that person, maybe uh, give them a gift card for Nando's or uh, if yeah. you're in Canada, uh, Boston pizza or something, I don't know. Those kinds of things, <laughs> find ways to bless people. Um, yeah, I think we could talk a lot about that, but um, Eliz, I think you hit the nail on the head and uh, I'm conscious of time. We're, we're running out of time here. So Eliz, thank <laughs> you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Oh, it's a pleasure. Uh, it's been having fun. a conversation here on a, a tough, uh, it is a tough conversation, isn't it? And mm, yeah. it's a tough conversation you have a lot of the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Eliz, again, thank you. Really appreciate this. Um, if you're listening at home and you found this helpful, let us know. Uh, maybe connect with us through social media or uh, you can connect with us on YouTube, on Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff. Um, you can also rate this podcast and uh, give it a like if you've found it helpful. Can you like it? I don't even know. Leave a comment. It's probably what I'm getting at. <laughs> um, next week, this is what I'm thinking about right now. This was on my mind. We are going deep into the world of grief. Um, we're joined by... Um, one of the most incredible people in the world, one of my friends, Steve Jantz uh, from uh, Miller College of the Bible. And uh, what we'll hear next week is an incredible story of uh, actually of someone who sadly passed away suddenly on their campus uh, at Christmas time. And Steve's going to share the story of uh, what happened and how the, uh, the college responded, which was just the most incredible godly response to grief that I think I've perhaps ever seen. And, um, the whole thing is just an amazing testimony. So I'd encourage you to stay tuned for that. Um, otherwise, have an amazing week and we will speak to you very soon. Bye. Bye.